Hello and welcome back to Engage Culture with Apostle TJ. Trust everyone is doing good. Glad to be able to um, bring final finality or attempt to bring finality to our earlier conversation. Yes, um, as usual, my name is Demi and we're still talking about um, spiritual leadership um, and mentoring and all that. So we're going into part two of that now, um, just to conclude the conversation from before. Yes. Um, and we're going to be looking at mentoring from a mentor's perspective. In the previous part, we looked at mentoring from a mentee's perspective and also mm. um, introduced or defined really what mentoring was. So yeah. if you haven't watched that, go and watch it. Um, yeah, <laughs> as usual. If you have any more questions, Apostle. Apostle. Apostle TJ can be um, contacted on all these platforms and all that stuff. So feel free to get in touch with him with any more questions. So we're just going to dive in. Um, mm. The first question is kind of like, yeah, how do I, how does one become a spiritual parent or spiritual leader or a mentor even? Yeah, how does one become a mentor? I think I want to start with the, the lighter, the mentor part. I think that um, in, in any capacity, everybody is called to influence people in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at a baseline, even though we may not attach um, you know, uh, like a title to it. Everyone, by virtue of being examples, can inspire people. So I think that that's the unofficial mentoring type, mm -hmm. um, you know, lifestyle that everyone's called to live. But in terms of how one becomes a mentor, I feel like sometimes there's a, there's a, sometimes there's a weightier call mm -hmm. um, in certain areas that allows people um you know to express this this aspect of kingdom life now what i would say is that um for me um a anyone who desires to become a mentor for me must first self-lead mm -hmm. which is mentoring is not this thing that you pursue outside of the the characteristics of how you live your life mm -hmm. in that sense i think mentoring happens when you do well in life and in certain areas and as a result of your doing well um people are drawn to your lifestyle then obviously now going into officially becoming a mentor i think that then you sense a call to um really really pour into people so the first thing is you are you're not looking you know from you know you're not kind of just looking for people to mentor it never starts off that way mm. you are looking to actually lead your life and lead yourself but then consequently you begin to sense a call mm. to um to pour into people to develop to develop them to this to to, to to um to raise them up or to impact their lives in a certain way so i think then that um one of the core responsibilities of anyone who wants to become a, a mentor is to is to have mastery in um, whatever area of life that um, they want to mentor people in, in that sense. So a call is necessary, don't get me wrong. I feel like um, you have to be called of God, but I, I said that at the very beginning of you know my answer that everyone in a sense mentors, but not officially, do you see my point? Yeah. So I think that you know, you're looking to self-lead and in self-leading, you sense a call to pour into people. Mm -hmm. And then as a result of that call, 
you begin to pursue mastery. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you pursue mastery, people are then drawn to you. Um, and then what you've done is you've now developed the, again, the maturity, the, the first part I spoke about maturity, the maturity, um, the credibility and all of that stuff that comes with it. So I think that that's, that's how, you know, people um, evolve into becoming mentors. Yeah, and, and, and that I, I think <laughs> being a spiritual parent um, is a little bit more, um, again, I feel that that starts with discovery of calling mm. and discovery of grace. Um, again, at a basic level, everyone may even, to an extent, unofficially father spiritually people, maybe people that they bring to Christ and they're the kind of like the primary voice in their lives and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when we talk about then, you know, spiritual fathers, mostly in the context of, you know, let's say ministry, church leadership and all of that stuff. I think that there has to be um, first the sensing of a call. Mm -hmm. Today, a lot of people want to be called father, but they don't have a clue what that really entails. When we look at the patriarchs in scriptures there were people of great sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, they often had to you look at you look at Abraham's journey with God, um, all the obedience and all of that stuff. We are the beneficiaries mm -hmm. of Abraham's obedience to God. And I feel like with fathering, um, there has to be like a core, um, like a calling to a people, to a generation. Um, I feel like then, um, you know, in that in that process, I think that certain things need to be learned quickly, which is sacrifice, which is humility, which is um, the desire to be able to put the people that you were called to first. And I feel like um, uh, Paul, Paul rightfully said this when he said, you have many instructors. I could look at that and say you have many mentors, but you don't have many fathers, mm -hmm. basically. So especially with fathering, it's not... It's not really a place. I'm not saying it shouldn't be celebrated. You know, people saying, oh, I'm your spiritual father, da, da, da. But it's really a place of work. It's really a place of sacrifice. It's really a place of responsibility. It's really a place of maturity. Mm -hmm. So in terms of becoming that, yeah. um, I, I think that, again, you're not going out to say, I want to father. It's mm -hmm. usually what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You are living your life. And in your obedience to God, in your responsibility, you know, God then begins to bring people around you. Who he has called you from the foundations of the world to be part of their journey. So it's essentially, it's it's behaving like you really are on the inside mm -hmm. in that sense. That's just that's just what it is. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so what is the role of a mentor mm. or spiritual father and what are their limits? Okay, the role of a mentor, a spiritual father. I kind of feel like I touched on it previously oh, a little yeah. bit, but but I would I would say that um, you know again, there. Let me deal with the limits part basically. So the limit is I think we have to understand the distinction mm -hmm. in the roles. Basically, uh, a spiritual father would be able to to have oversight. Mm -hmm. A mentor may not have oversight, but may have insight. That's the difference. So I may have insight in an area of someone's life, but then I don't have oversight. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes mentors can mix that up.
because they have insight in a particular area they can assume then that they have oversight mm -hmm. so the general accountability of a person basically is with their covering with their father in that sense okay but then with a mentor it might a mentor still has authority but it can be authority within a certain jurisdiction jurisdiction sorry now the problem that we have that means this is that I think you might have touched on this in the in the previous episode mm -hmm. that a lot of people mix up exactly what it is that they're looking for mm -hmm. so sometimes they go to someone and they go can you mentor me mm -hmm. but what they're really crying out for is context and fathering mm -hmm. basically and so because those two things are mixed up and I'm a stickler for um, for language. I am a stickler for, um, what is it now? I'm a stickler for clarity. I'm a stickler for definitions in the kingdom so that people can know exactly what it is that is being, that is being said. Now, with a mentor, mm -hmm. you can inherit expertise. You can inherit skill. Mm -hmm. But with a father, you inherit legacy. And that's a difference, basically. So an example is um, if in a natural sense, if a, if a mentor passes away, a mentor can never, can never really leave your will, you know, mm. biologically speaking. But if, if one's parent passes away, by, you know, they can legally leave you a will. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? So with a, with a mentor, you have access to the honor of their gift with a father you have access to the honor of their legacy so i can explain it this way mm. when elijah was passing away or uh, you know before he not passing away sorry was transitioning elijah passed away mm. <laughs> when he was transitioning one of the things that we see is we see one of his his sons called elisha and then you had the company of prophets now on on route to elisha being elijah being taken away mm -hmm. Um, the prophets at the time, Elisha as well was a prophet, they kept prophets and telling Elisha, do you know that God is going to take your master away? Mm -hmm. See, through whether through the prophetic, whether through their knowing, they were able to discern that Elijah was going to be taken away. May, mm -hmm. Possibly they even prophesied it mm -hmm. because maybe Elijah was prophet to them. He was pot potentially a mentor to them in the prophetic because you look at Elijah's status and naturally, everybody will look up to Elijah. But then Elisha's relationship with Elijah was very different. Mm -hmm. Basically, Eli it, the way that Eli Elisha followed Elijah to the end, it wasn't so much of the following of just someone that inspired him. It was like, uh, you know, the relationship went even so much more deeper. And then what you find is when Elijah left the earth, the Bible talks about a double portion of Elisha's spirit coming upon Elijah. Now, it wasn't, uh, what, especially those who said <laughs> there was a double anointing. Yes, the manifestation, but it was a double portion of his spirit, mm -hmm. right? Why are we dealing with spirit here? Why double of his spirit? Because one of the definitions of, of a father is one who infuses his spirit into others governing their minds in the original translation so in other words a father is able to transfer spiritual um, um not just not just you know not just gifts but there is like a whole pattern a construct uh, 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 an impartation that runs so much more deeper by virtue of the call of god and so what you see then is 
the reason why now the prophets they inherited maybe they they received prophetic training prophetic activations they probably were inspired to prophesy mm -hmm. with elijah but in terms of that inheritance of the grace and the nature and all of that stuff it it fell on elisha not all the prophets mm -hmm. why because elisha treated elijah as father see there's a difference the other prophets probably saw him as prophet and, and the bible does say if if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet you receive a prophet's reward what's a prophet prophet's reward well what's in my office like you know could be prophecy could be visions could be dreams but for elisha what he received was an inheritance mm -hmm. then we now go we could go on further then in elisha's time now we now see a situation where the bible talks about elisha's dead and um one day they take a dead man to to bury the dead man mm -hmm. incidentally or god incidentally <laughs> they buried the dead man um on elisha's um dead bones and the dead man rises up and we see something so prophetic that there was life in the bones of Elisha when he died. What happened? To me, I see that as the anointing that was meant to serve a generation went to the grave because there was no succession plan in fathering and sonship. So an inheritance, a move of God was, was still present on the earth, but it wasn't cultivated because there was no one aligned. Why? Because the guy who was meant to follow Elisha Gehazi stepped out of line. Can you see the patterns there? So these are very deep things. I think we have to, I keep saying this, we have to, we have to, I said all of that to say that the issue of fathering i think it's a it's a really it's it's different to mentoring it's a really deep subject that um as much as today you know people uh, there's a lot of idolatry around it and i keep saying that we have to be balanced but actually it's a real 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 valid thing so it's amazing demi that jacob in the book of genesis is able to stand over all his children and it's almost as if he's encoding in their journey that which god put on the inside of him to prophetically pattern and apostolically declare the future that um that god had for them mm -hmm. see that's a father's dimension now a mentor then may come and train you in areas that have to do with those different things mm -hmm. but a father brings entirely the picture together mm -hmm. and pre should present to you a blueprint when you are fathered properly for me excuse me for when you're fathered properly you shouldn't have to um you, you shouldn't lack vision mm -hmm. because it's right from the environment of your father that you first get told who you are mm -hmm. and so in my experience when i when i you know deal with my spiritual sons and daughters i'm able to by the help of the holy spirit not so much just even through the prophetic gift but just through the knowing i'm able to kind of say hey this is this is the design mm -hmm. this is the blueprint you see what i'm saying so so in, in just just I, I wanted to give those those two the, the, those two um, paradigms so that people could could understand it better. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that answers answers your question. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, how does a le um, a leader inspire yeah. without them being idolized or creating many versions of themselves? Ooh, that's that's so important. That's so important. I think um um leadership is um um expressing um what god has impressed you mm -hmm. with you are impressed of god god impresses himself in you and then you you express that the for me the problem comes when leaders move out of character 
and they begin to build what god hasn't asked them to build ultimately if you build yourself if you build your image you're going to want worship <laughs> at some point because when we talk about idolatry the concept of idolatry is false worship so when you build yourself and you build your image you're going to want worship so i think leaders can do that by understanding that ultimately we are pointing people to jesus in whatever capacity so whether you lead a business whether you're a business leader whether you are you lead your family whether and and some of these things we're discussing is also good in the family context whether you lead um i don't know what it is that you lead but it's important to know that um we're pointing people to jesus that jesus is the standard jesus is the he's the blueprint for everything so i think that as leaders when we make a conscious habit of pointing to christ basically the people around us would develop that idea and ultimately when we point people to christ we smash any um anything that's building in the mind of people another thing as well is leaders must cultivate the ability to show people by the grace of god the behind the scenes and their weaknesses mm. now i think that that's so important because then people may think that you were always like that, that you always arrived, that you don't have things that you're believing God through, that you don't have things that you're working on and all of that stuff. So I think that, um, you know, as much as possible, sometimes obviously it can be challenging because then sometimes it's, do people have the maturity to handle certain things? And But that's the leader's accountability, which is a different thing. But I think leaders should endeavor to show people um the behind the scenes in terms of okay hey like so for example if something has happened um and i'm not happy with the way it's happened let's say at church i tend to express it because i say that i want the people that i'm raising to kind of know the reality of do you see what i'm saying sometimes um i remember that you know there was a while back that i was kind of sh shuttling kind of you know cities and and preaching and sometimes i would be tired and you know I'd, i'm okay for people to see that hey i'm tired i'm preaching tired but then the power of god is still dispensing what it is do you see what i'm saying yeah. so i think i think um leaders can be real both about the grace and the process mm -hmm. and i think once people see them in that light there is I, i've noticed a shift that um <laughs> it's almost to a bad place now that people almost now prefer leaders who are saying they're walking in sin <laughs> than leaders who claim they're walking in righteousness now there's a there's a fault to that because essentially some people take that as a standard to come to to what's the word to comfort themselves in their almost like in their in their lack of progression in in, in walking with god but there's a reason why people are drawn to that it's because they feel that these people are being authentic basically and i think authenticity and leadership so i think when you balance these things together yeah. um i think that it's then very possible for people to say hey you know what wow i respect this person i respect their counsel i respect the grace of god on their life i respect who they are but i would never worship them mm. because it is god in them and christ through them basically yeah, yeah. um and how, how do you stop someone being a mini version of yourself like I feel like you've answered the mm. question as well, but like, 
if you see that somebody is becoming like yeah. a replica of you, yeah, the practical things that you do. I mean, like if you have my hair cut, I'll get so and shave it up. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wouldn't do that. No, you you just have to confront it yeah. as a as a leader. I, I think that sometimes when that happens, um, there's a mix up because um, we have a a, a problem um, that is that before many people come to church, um, there's been some degree of failure. Um, whether it's from a family context or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so people, um, one, of the, one of the things that they struggle with is people to look up to. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm so passionate about empowering the family context because then sometimes the, 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 the overemphasized um, um, responsibility that spiritual leaders have that then overemphasizes, you know, that brings people to a place of idolatry is because many times people haven't met at a family level, um, sometimes a father, sometimes a mother, sometimes someone yeah. who has been like a hero to them. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? And and so um, that's that's one you know that's one issue. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a problem in church. So we are coming now. We have people who have they haven't they haven't had people to look up to. They haven't had people to inspire them. They're young believers. Um, they've been in church for long, but then they're still young. Mm -hmm. And what you don't want to do sometimes as a leader is you can see that, hey, this person is okay. Yes, they honor, but like they're taking everything about me in. But you're conflicted because you're thinking, okay, but in one sense, like this person never really had a hero, like a role model. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to kill that because you think, oh, it's part of their growth. But I think there has to be a moment where you begin to say to them to say, okay, look, you know what? Like, Believe in what God has made you. Believe in you. My job is to help you find God in you. Yes. You are unique. Yes. All of that stuff. I can be a model to you. I can inspire you. I can be a pattern to you, basically. But you then are unique. So that it's not without context. It's, 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 it's because many times um, we're dealing with situations where people have never really had people to inspire them. Yeah. And, and, and what you don't want to do as a leader sometimes is when someone now comes into you, you never want to, because it's risky. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. there, there has to, people, I, I believe that obviously Jesus is Lord, but I think that to an extent, people must have heroes mm -hmm. in their lives that they look up to. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11 is a story of heroes, mm -hmm. of champions of faith. We look at Abraham, that's a hero. We look at do you see what I'm saying? So it's okay for people to have heroes that really champion certain things in their lives. But it's for those people now to say, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, God's doing something unique in you. Yeah. And God gets the glory. Yes. Um, thank you for that. That's okay. <laughs> I am going to ask, how do you as a leader mm. manage to divide your attention between different um, mentees or spiritual children? Well, it's a very interesting question, basically. Um, let, me, let me flip that back to you. What do you think is the, is the way to deal with so many people? Because like, I, I, I can say something which I would say, but even I'm just thinking, you know, like obviously I'm saying, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about. But then sometimes it may amaze you that as much as you're doing it, people may not even feel, you may think, oh yeah. I'm mastering this thing. I put my systems in place, but then people's experiences. So what do you think a, uh, how do you think a mentor should approach or a spiritual leader should approach having many people? Um, well, I'm not a mentor. 
or a spiritual leader. Um, so, but I think the basic answer would be like, well, time management. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just like a parent trying to find time for every child mm. and not almost trying to give every child the same clothing or mm. just because you, um, you're in the realms of like apostolic work doesn't mm. mean everybody else is going to be like that. Mm. So it's getting to know like every child individually mm. and then meeting them where they are individually. Um, maybe not comparing mm. growth and stuff mm. so that you can actually focus time mm. on that person and where they are. Mm. Um, and I think another good thing is bringing people together as well mm. so that everyone in the family then knows that, okay, you know, this is my spiritual sister. So Sibling, cool. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously that helps community, build community mm. and stuff. And that also helps. Something was at the top of my mind, but it's just gone now. Mm. But basically creates community mm. um, and a sense of family as well. So mm. that's. Oh, and it makes you look out for one another. Mm. So like if I know that this person's getting mentored by my mm. mentor as well, mm. my level of concern, like if I mm. heard something or if I knew that something was mm. being, they're in danger or something, mm. it's easier for me to be like, oh, mm. it happened with us before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that can't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's amazing, amazing insight. And I think you really articulated it well. And the only thing I would add is, I think I'm a stickler for systems. Um, I think I mentioned before, the problem that a lot of mentors and leaders have is that they haven't sometimes mastered so much what's in them for them to learn how to share it and administer it. And I think administration really matters of the grace and the gift of whatever Mm -hmm. office or capacity that you have. Um, So I think um, being very clear about... Um, I always talk about these things when you're growing in leadership. You need to be clear about your mandate, your audience, your um, your values, um, your and your your methods. Basically, I think it's about five. I, I mentioned normally, but and we'll keep it at that. So your methods. You need to be clear about your methods. You need to be clear about the gift of God in you, yeah. right? And 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 your values and your convictions in God. So I think that um, when a leader is very clear about the gift and the methods. Mm-hmm. Um, they now know that, okay, the gift by itself is not enough mm. to reach people. And so it took time for Moses to realize this. He almost killed himself. Mm. Um, and his father Jethro then told him, hey, why don't you replicate, you know, put captains over people, mm. captains of 70, the 70 elders. And Moses had to bring in all of this systems because before he was a one-man army. So I think... Um, a, a leader must be must must have spiritual systems around them that allow people to access um, things you know that they that they do, and I think then they have to teach the people to honor those systems. I think I was teaching recently on when you honor a leader, you actually you, you also honor their systems. Mm. Okay, um, systems are not um, they're not standoffish. People often think that systems are standoffish. And people think that maybe sometimes the highest um, kind of levels of impartation is when a leader has like gazillion hours of one-to-ones with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that could be true. But sometimes it's not true. Maturity for me is you come to the place where, you know, you see that, hey, okay, my leader is, you know, and, and the certain things that people can do, you can place, you can place demands 
um, you know, on your leaders in terms of, hey, like, okay, cool, can we, um, you know, um, ca can I know where, you're, where, where you operate, where you minister, what books you read? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's uh, everything about mentoring mm -hmm. is, or, or, or leadership is not, it, personal relation, I think relationship really matters. I think, I don't think we talked about that, you know, as much, but also kind of absorbing the different elements. So if your mentor has written a book recently, like go get the book. If they've preached a message recently, go, does that make sense? Yeah. If they've been to, try and find out what it is that, and I, and I think that that's how we begin to grow people to know how not to depend on us, um, you know, in a way. Now, relationship sometimes will just, will, I, I think what it is is that um, if, 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 I'm, if I'm meeting someone for the first time and the person goes, um, I've been wanting you to mentor me and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. I've listened to five stages of sonship. I've lived in seven spheres of influence. I'm like, I'm like, let's talk. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The answer, I'm like, let's talk. There's a, there's a way that I'm talking to that person immediately mm -hmm. because it's almost like, okay, cool. But then in some cases, I know I'm going to mentor someone, whatever it is. I go to them, okay, go and do a discipleship course first with someone in our team. Now, I'm not saying that I can disciple. I do disciple people, but sometimes I go, okay, go and do a discipleship course yeah. because when you're talking to me in mentoring, I'm talking to you about leadership yeah. and you don't need leadership, but I have developed a system by which you will get there. That system, I sat down, I wrote the discipleship course. It's me that wrote it. Yeah. Now, but it doesn't mean that I'm the one that has to teach you that discipleship course. Mm -hmm. so, but if you honor the system and you do the discipleship course, by the time I'm engaging with you now, because see, I've got my focus on other things. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if I am fathering, I have systems, I have a church, I have pastors, I have leaders, I have a community. Mm -hmm. So you come into that community. So I think that I've dealt with this mostly from a, a, a church context. But for me, I think people must really try to seek out the systems of their leader. And this is where for me, I talked about in the last episode, leaders and their systems being very, very tangible. Mm. Yes. Um, what are the basis for um, a leader terminating the mentoring Ooh, that's a very interesting one. Yeah. Ah, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. Um, I, it's so hard because as a leader, do you ever, do you ever let go of people? Um, it's so hard. It's such a. The reason I'm saying that is that one of the, the uh, as a leader, yes, you might not be a pastor full time, whatever it is, but there's a shepherding element. And every genuine shepherd is always looking out for people. So even even in say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so even in cases where my my responsibilities and relationships with people um, have changed or whatever it is, um, I mean I've seen them or heard from, but my heart for them is still still so like God. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like. So, so I, I think that maybe, except there is a problem, a severe issue mm -hmm. with, um, I don't want to say, just something that's, that's over and beyond 
kind of like um i don't know maybe almost like apostasy or <laughs> do you see what i'm saying so so I, I i think so but then in some cases some relationships don't work and i think what happens sometimes is, is this is that people come for mentoring leadership all of that stuff and then maybe in the process they get so casual they get so familiar and they forget to learn mm. basically do you see what i'm saying and when you forget to learn, you may forget to submit. And when you forget to submit, you are going to eventually call your mentor or your leader your pair. Okay. And when that happens, when especially for fathering, when matters of correction come in, there's a way that you now begin to respond differently. So, mm -hmm. and it can lead to a toxic situation. So those are just some of the things that I, I think um, can eventually lead to a um lead to uh, a leader um you know kind of terminating but but it's going to be very very extreme circumstances yeah. yeah i don't know of a leader who enjoys terminating yeah. a, a relationship I think it like should that be something that is done just like i can't i'm exhausted with you so yeah i can't be bothered yeah this relationship anymore. yeah um that's dropping people yeah it's just not nice <laughs> and i feel like if if you did feel called to this person mm. obviously before the, the mentoring or mm. fathering relationship started mm. you would have prayed mm. um and i think i really don't know if that's the way mm. if just terminating just yeah you're exhausted yeah yeah you can't do that um 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 the, you know um, there i think it was was it soul's grandson basically um not mephibosheth you know mephibosheth when war broke out at some point yeah um the bible talks about how the person that was looking after him mm -hmm. dropped him and because the person dropped him he became crippled yeah do you see what i'm saying so so leaders in times of crisis can't drop people do yes. you see what I'm saying? Because then their mobility for life and destiny will be severely hindered, yeah. basically. So, so these are things that we have to be very careful. And people must not be projects. This is why I keep Ooh. saying that you have to resolve within yourself certain yeah. things. Because if people are projects, see, let me tell you how projects work. When you're, when you're developing, especially in stuff like ministry, you have projects, you have ideas, you're trying to fine-tune your gifts, all of that stuff. So you're doing this, maybe you start this, you start that. But people are not projects. People are not events. You can start an event and decide not to do an event anymore. But you can't really start with people and decide not to do people anymore. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say something that's gone out of my head. Yeah. So, But yeah, it's true. People are not projects. People are not so, projects, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, it was on the point of terminating um crippling people mm. dropping people are like critical events like yeah just going through. so basically if you are going to terminate like a relationship or whatever, yeah don't do it at a point where someone's going through something in life yeah it's just that yeah kind of really damaging yeah yeah it's 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 a sensitive yeah so you know it's a it's a sensitive really issue agree with mentors terminating <laughs> sometimes you have to do it yeah drastic kids. yeah yeah so that's my opinion but what do i know <laughs> you know all things because you have the holy spirit <laughs> in you you know a lot and <laughs> let's just round the question up by um mm. this part mm. up by um with asking how does a leader lead an influence without imposing um yeah 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 so just bear fruit 
um, just bear fruit, be a servant leader, servanthood must be at the core of whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So just bear fruit. I think once you bear fruit as a leader, then um, people would follow you. You don't have to, you don't have to impose, you don't have to, only very few times would you maybe see Paul say stuff like, um, am I not an apostle? Am I not this? Am I not that? You don't throw titles around. People should be able to essentially see what it is that you are doing mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, I, I am inspired by that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 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 I feel like this leadership one needs a part two or part three, like a series of its yeah. own. We'll a probably series like look into the, di the different dynamics. Maybe like do like little short clips. Yeah. That'll like be great. Minute videos, 10 minute videos. That'll be good. Aspects of, um, leadership and spiritual fathering. That'll um, be good. Questions would be great if you have any questions, especially the side questions for Apostle as well. That would be great. So then we can come here and share even more with you guys. So yes. Yeah. Yes, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Demi. You have facilitated you. excellently, you very, very excellently. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye bye.